Welcome to Dialogue with State Senator Paul Lavota, your electronic town hall meeting. Join Senator Lavota, Independence Mayor Pro Tem Chris Whiting, and activist Courtney Cole for this weekly discussion about Missouri government and politics. Now here's the Missouri State Senator from the 11th District, Paul Lavota. And it is April 9th, 2015, and this is Dialogue with State Senator Paul Lavota. I'm State Senator Paul Lavota of the 11th Senatorial District. And uh, Dialogue is our program that we talk about local uh, government, local politics, Missouri politics, and really everything that's going on. And thanks for joining us again. Um, I am uh, very happy to uh, have back on the program. Last week was a little bit different because it was just me on the program and uh, played some um, clips from the Senate debate on Medicaid expansion. But I'm really happy that uh, this week... I am joined again by uh, a man who is a lifelong resident of Independence. He's in his second term as yes. uh, he completed a previous term. So, Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, fulfilled an unexpired term. Unexpired term. So you're in your second term. You're the mayor, Independence Mayor Pro Tem, and um, um, Chris Whiting is here. Oh, my Can't gosh. think of anything else. Senator Lovoda, oh, yeah. thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to be here on the program. I look forward to it every week, and I hate weeks that I cannot make it. So it's good to be back this week. Um, I, I, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but I was able to spend the last couple of days in Jeff City, see you in action, representing the good people of the 11th Senatorial District, uh, fighting hard for the things that are important to you and important to the voters, and, and also... Have your dogs down there mm-hmm. with you. So I don't I don't want to say too much more than that other than thank you for the welcome, and it's good to be here. Okay. Well, I'm glad that I could welcome you. I also would like to uh, welcome Courtney Cole. Um, our friend is back here. Hi, thank Courtney. Thank you. Thanks. I feel welcomed. Good to see you. Hey, it's good to How's see you guys. How's everything going? Everything's great. It's busy, but good. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Things okay. are going well. Okay. Well, we'd like to uh, start off our... Um, did you get your haircut, Senator? I did. Thank you. Oh, it looks nice. Thank you. I have a haircut for radio. Uh, but uh, I really am excited because we um, need to do the news. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that a question? Now the weekly news roundup brought to you by the good folks at Liberty Realty. Here's Chris Whiting. Thank you very much. This is your weekly news roundup for Thursday, April 9th, 2015. I'm Chris Whiting. Senate passes its version of fiscal year 2016 state budget. The Senate on April 8th passed its version of the $26 billion state operating budget for fiscal year 2016, including some radical changes from the budget the House of Representatives approved last month. Negotiators must work out the differences between the two chambers' versions of the 13 bills that make up the operating budget before they can be given final approval and sent to the governor. In a controversial move, Senate Appropriations Chairman Kurt Schaefer, Republican from Columbia, elected to provide lump sum appropriations to the Departments of Health, Mental Health and Social Services instead of doing detailed budgets for these agencies, as the House had done. The lump sum approach allows the administrators of those departments, rather than lawmakers, to decide how the money allocated to their agencies is spent. However, in shifting to the lump sum, Schaefer also cut spending for the three departments by a combined $130 million. So let let me just uh, get in on this. The um, part of what's strange about this is that 
instead of having line items for every uh, function that the health, mental health, and social services does, um, the appropriations chair put it into this um, kind of a lump sum, right? Mm -hmm. And so it gives them all freedom. And the reason he did it was some of the frustrations that the legislature has had with the governor with um, withholds and not really knowing where the the money is, mm -hmm. which I can relate with because, um, as we're going to talk about in another story, all of a sudden the governor has more money to to uh, stop his withholds on. But with that said, the whole idea that the appropriations chair had to do this is, was because the governor isn't spending the money correctly, so he put together a lump sum to for give the governor more power to spend the money the way he wanted to. <laughs> right. He can cut it up yeah. every once now. So to me, it's an abdication of, of real responsibility and um, not going through this and being very clear with what the legislature um, is appropriating. So oh. hmm. strange. Very much so. Yes. And shall we continue with this? Yes, please. Story? All right. Please. Lawmakers from both parties said Schaefer's plan would leave insufficient funding for services used by Missouri's most vulnerable residents, including children, the elderly, disabled, and mentally ill. In fact, the Senate initially defeated Schaefer's version of House Bill 11. The Social Services Department budget, even though the chamber is overwhelmingly controlled by his fellow Republicans, the bill ultimately passed so that it could advance to negotiations with the House. Other key differences between the two chambers are on education. The House supports a $74 million increase in basic state aid for local school districts, while the Senate recommends an $84 million boost. Public colleges and universities would enjoy a collective $12 million hike in state funding under the House version and a $27.6 million increase under the state version. And, and I'll pipe in here and say that I was one of the two senators who voted against the uh, it's House Bill 2, which is the appropriations for public education because it's just simply not enough. We're still $400 million less of the foundation formula continually have bad tax policy that's not uh, a priority to try to fund these um, these things in our uh, public schools. And it's really frustrating. So um, I wasn't going to vote for that bill. Is it, is it, is the right word illegal? Is it illegal to not fund the foundation formula? Yeah. I, I mean, it is, it's, I know, I know why you're hesitating on that word because there's not going to be the police department going in and arresting anybody. Right. But it is in statute that we're supposed to do that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's in it's in the law, and they're not following the law, therefore illegal, well, right? Right. That's kind of what you're thinking, right? Yeah. yeah. So good for you for voting your conscience yeah. and, and staying within the parameters yeah. of the law. Yeah. Crazy. Lawmakers face a May 8th constitutional deadline for passing the budget bills, and lawmakers typically do a typically typically do so, pardon me, a couple of days ahead of time. This year, however, Republican leaders are attempting to finish the process weeks earlier in order to force Governor Jay Nixon, a Democrat, to issue any line item budget vetoes while the legislator legislature is still in session. That would give lawmakers the chance to override those vetoes before they adjourn for the year on May 15th and before the state fiscal year begins on July 1, instead of waiting until the annual veto session in September. However, however, it would also give Nixon's budget office only days to review the bills and take action instead of the weeks they normally have, which could make it less likely potential problems with the bills would be noticed. Well, I, my guess is the governor's going to have problems with it anyway. So, yeah, I don't know if he, know if he needs 
extra days on that. So the budget, just just to, for more information, we uh, began going through the budget in the Senate, the full Senate, at 4 p.m. on Tuesday, and we were done at 4 a.m. on Tuesday. Ouch. And uh, it was a very... I don't know if you want to call it a late night or early morning. Yeah, I guess you can decide. Okay, I mean that's up to you. The onus is on the listener. That's right. That you get to decide which one that is. But uh, you know, I have said this, and this is my eleventh year in the legislature. That's probably not the way we should be spending twenty-six billion dollars of taxpayer money. We probably should have worked till even midnight, mm-hmm. come back in the morning, mm-hmm. and and went through it again. But instead. Um, we went through there, and there was a filibuster in the middle of it because part of uh, House Bill 11, which is the social services and health care um, assistance, uh, Senator Rob Schaff filibuster because he doesn't like managed care. There's a new provision in there that would make the whole state a managed care type of uh, for um, medical services, and he didn't like it, so he spent a lot of time, mm-hmm. and uh, he lost, um, but he kept filibustering like he does <laughs> because he's a doctor and doesn't like managed care. So um, then um, when we went to that bill, as you mentioned in the story, uh, it was 17 to 15, and you have to have 18 to pass. Oh. So Senator Will Krauss reconsidered his no vote and voted yes. Like that somehow, too. It was weird. Huh. And uh, weird. then they passed the budget. So the next step is they take what the Senate put together and what the House put together and then meet in what they call conference and then go through those different line items and um, decide that group will decide which take the Senate position or the House position. And is it the budget committees from each of the uh, uh, kind the of bodies there's, that meet or there's f- um, five from the Senate mm-hmm. and then there's three from the House because the House did these new crazy rules. So it usually was 10 mm-hmm. total. But uh, so from the Senate, there'll be three Republicans and two Democrats. And typically, they are on the appropriations or the budget committees, but they don't necessarily have to be. It's a brand-new committee that the Speaker oh, really? and the President pro temp uh, votes on. Well, I'll be darned. Yeah. I'm sure will didn't be. Didn't they set a deadline for themselves on when they wanted to have the budget done? Yeah, they want to have it done, um, I guess, enough time to where if the governor does veto something, mm-hmm. um, there would be time to over- override it. So I don't know exactly that date. but um. I just remember whenever I was a teacher, we were always waiting for the budget to be done. And it seemed like, of course, it was always the last week, right. you know, and we're all waiting to set our budget for the next year. And so it's nice that they're making the budget a priority and, you know, working to move it through. But are they doing it for the right reasons? Right. Well, yeah, and the the frustration of it is, there is such little communication and agreement on where we're going as a state as far as the revenue that comes in from the legislature and the governor. Um, the governor may veto parts of it, but mm-hmm. also he may just withhold later. Mm-hmm. And that, and only that, is <laughs> what is the most frustrating part of of the budget process for school districts because they may right. plan on something – even if it passes, mm-hmm. and then the governor withholds, and they, they're they like... Yeah, and then they're ah. left without and having to figure out a plan. Right. It's very difficult. Yeah. So it's very frustrating. Yes, it is frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of governor overrides and mm-hmm. vetoes, lawmakers override governor's first veto of 2015. 
The Republican-controlled General Assembly on April 8th overrode Democratic Governor Jay Nixon's veto of legislation that will prohibit retired school superintendents from serving on the school board of a district where they formerly worked. Nixon's veto of House Bill 63 fell on votes of 111 to 49 in the House of Representatives and 24 to 9 in the Senate. The override action comes as something of a surprise since the primary purpose of the bill was to fix various problems with statutes pertaining to local elections in advance of the April 7th municipal and school board elections. After Nixon vetoed the bill on April 3rd, the expectation had been that lawmakers likely would pass a new version of the bill minus the provision relating to superintendents serving on school boards, which was added to the bill late in the process. In his veto message, Nixon said he opposed erecting a permanent barrier to retired superintendents serving on school boards. The law should encourage, not prohibit, those who aspire to serve in public office, Nixon said. In our democratic system, otherwise qualified candidates should be disqual- should not be disqualified simply because of their expertise. So I'm interested in what you guys think of that issue. So a retired superintendent right. cannot serve on the school board of the district in which they, he, they, they worked for. Okay. Or she worked for. They could serve on a different school board. If they live if in they, that area. If they live in that area. What? I, I Why? Don't, I don't understand. It, they're retired. They're no longer serving as superintendent. Uh-huh. Why would, can they not, like any other citizen, serve on the school yeah, board? If they, I would think that their experience within that, that particular school district itself would be in, important well, to see, have, I, really. I... Mm-hmm. I guess I'm looking at this. I look at this in two different ways. First of all, um, there there's all kinds of conditions on, you know, running for public office. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, for example, term limits is one. Mm-hmm. Your prior job as a senator means you can't run for senate for the third time. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's, right. There's a there's a public reason for that. Right. This one is, you don't want someone in there controlling everything and then all of a sudden running for office. As as we've seen in some, uh, there's a St. Louis administrator doing that type of thing. They administer stuff and then they end up running for office. It just seems like they're not really working for the good of the public. They're working more for their own deal. So okay? kind of like uh, legislators who become lobbyists. Absolutely, exactly. That's a, that's exactly a, a good analogy. Mm-hmm. And and that's another thing. You cannot if we pass the the ethics bill that. Um, is in conference now. A legislator can't become a lobbyist after two years. So I guess my point is: Is there a time frame in regard to this one, or is no, it just period? Like period. if you've ever worked, so I've worked at Lafayette County. I could never go and run there. Then you if this could. Word you could because you weren't the superintendent. Unless you were the superintendent. Oh, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so I guess I, I, that's why I I was okay voting for this measure because mm-hmm. it, to me, okay, I get it. You know. We want these retired people. We also want some of the citizens that pay pay the taxes to be on the school board. Mm-hmm. But with that said, I I don't know how this rises to the level of veto either. Yeah, you know that's right. that's the thing that that you know the the law should encourage, not prohibit those who aspire to serve in public office. I mean, we stuff like that happens all the time. Well, the governor's got his veto pen ready. Yeah, I guess he's so. got a lot of ink in that pen. I mean, I I, I even asked on the floor. Um, what was there? Was there a specific instance of this happening? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, there's a, there's a thing in St. Joe where they think the superintendent may run and try to be the mm. school board president. Well, okay. Does it rise to the level of doing legislation? Probably not. Does it rise to the level of fighting with the legislature over it? 
Right. I don't know. I don't. Anyway. Hmm. There we go. Interesting. That well, was that was as clear as mud, wasn't it? Yeah. But that's uh. Sounds like there's something more to it, but who knows? it does sound like there's something more to it. Yeah. I don't know. I, well, but, and it, because here's the other thing that, that I don't. I'm not sure. I guess I'm. I guess I'm questioning the governor and the fights he's picking with the legislature, because it was overridden like that with a breeze. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was so simple. Mm-hmm. And now there's a news story that says right. the governor's ineffective on stuff. So when, when you're in that situation, you should maybe pick your battles a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, maybe, and, and maybe maybe I'm gonna say that. I'm clarifying. Maybe. Maybe there's more to it. Maybe there is. And maybe that's a well, foreshadowing of how veto session is going to go this <laughs> right. year. Right. right. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of worries me, which was my concern initially whenever they passed that law to allow for them to go back even within the budget. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I know that they're going to work to take advantage of that now. That's it's right. why they work to pass it. So yep. mm-hmm. it's unfortunate to see. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very true. Supreme Court hears challenge to Max Creek Law. The Missouri Supreme Court on April 8th heard arguments in a lawsuit challenging the constitutionality of a 2013 bill that provided harsh penalties for cities that violate the so-called Max Creek Law that restricts how much revenue municipalities can derive from traffic fines and court fees. On the same day, a House committee heard legislation that seeks to make the law even stronger. The General Assembly enacted the original Max Creek Law in the early 1990s, unofficially naming days. it. Oh, you know, those were the days. Oh, the salad years. <laughs> yep. Unofficially naming it after a small Camden County community along US 54 that generated virtually its entire budget from ticketing motorists headed to or from the Lake of the Ozarks. Max Creek disincorporated shortly after the law was enacted. The 2013 changes to the statute included stripping a city's municipality court of jurisdiction to hear cases if the city collects too much revenue from traffic fines in violation of the law and fails to turn it over to the state as required. The Missouri Municipal League, which represents local cities, filed suit challenging the revisions in September 2013. A Cole County judge ruled against the Municipal League in July 2014. Mm -hmm. The Municipal League claims stripping municipal courts of jurisdiction violates the separation of powers doctrine. The state counters that cities have no inherent right to operate municipal courts and that the legislature has the authority to set standards for their operation. The Supreme Court will issue its ruling at a later date. Further strengthening the Max Creek's law has become the focus of legislative (laughs) efforts to institute municipal court reform following the recent U.S. Department of Justice report documenting abuses by the city of Ferguson's municipal court and police department. So the little Max Creek uh, community is tied in with, very good, tied in with with Ferguson because we know from the um, Department of Justice report of Ferguson, we know that they were um, uh, using... Uh, their law enforcement officials to gain revenue. They were encouraging officers to give fines. Um, I think there was like 21,000 people in the city and 15,000 open warrants for Crazy. fees yeah, and that's, everything. That's so um, that's the point of us trying to make the Max Creek Law um, tough on these cities so they're not forced to um, use their cops to harass people to get more money into mm-hmm. their coffers. Right. With that said... What we need to do is better tax policy. So <laughs> these uh, municipalities, as you would know, Mr. Mayor Pro Temp, aren't crushed with um, some idea in Jefferson City that you can cut taxes and it's going to trickle down, that fairy tale, and then you're stuck with providing the 
services to the citizens, and the only way you could do it is revenue in the city. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's have good tax policy that doesn't put municipalities into that position of needing money to provide services they think are important. Well, let me say, I, I, I guess, boy, I guess it would be nice if if you had the luxury of having enough officers that you could just have people out right, handing out tickets to raise money. We don't have that luxury in independence because our officers are are spread thin, keeping everyone safe mm-hmm. and, and doing, ooh, I don't want to say this, real police work rather than yeah. just generating revenue. Well, but you, if it... I mean, it would be in violation of this law, but you could tell your um, officers, go out there and do speed traps because we need more revenue. Mm-hmm. That's what they did in Ferguson. Yeah. And it's, okay? it's not just, just there. There are other places right. throughout the state that It's do it abhorrent too. to me that, that cities would do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not only do we not do that, and we wouldn't do it, certainly not under my watch if mm-hmm. I knew it was going on, mm-hmm. but we, we can't. We, we, we just don't have. Well, you have, could. You could. Well, we could, but, I mean, we, but we'd leave the citizens in alert tr- if we did that. That's, that's like what I said, that's what they did in Ferguson. Yeah, right. I mean, that's the point. Well, yeah. So Not I'm happening gl- in independence, Well, I'm glad, it, my I'm glad your watch is on it. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Isn't that a swatch, though? Well, okay. well, okay. Yeah. It's a fossil. Okay, good. Nixon lifts $43 million in spending restrictions. Governor Jay Nixon on April 2nd released $43 million in spending authority for education healthcare, capital improvements, and other programs during the final months of fiscal year 2015. Nixon, a Democrat, restricted the spending authority at the start of the fiscal year in July after the Republican-controlled General Assembly sent him an unbalanced budget. The lifted spending restrictions include $7 million for the Missouri... Can I go back to that? Yeah, yeah, this you want is, in on this? Th- yeah, I, I want in on this. Uh, Nixon, a Democrat, restricted the spending authority at the start of the fiscal year after the Republican-controlled General Assembly sent him unbalanced budget. This is the type of of uh, sentence that I used to know as a partisan. That's right, because the governor always tells us what's going on with the money. Now I think that is wrong, because I don't, I don't know if it's an unbalanced budget or not, because mm-hmm. we're not getting clear numbers and upfront mm-hmm. uh, idea from the governor. So it should say, Nixon restricted the spending authority at the start of fiscal year after the General Assembly sent him a balance he thought was unbu- mm-hmm. unbalanced. Uh-huh. Or he says is unbalanced. That's the frustration. I don't know if I'm communicating it very well, but it's fr- oh, I think frustrating you're, sitting this, it, this is very clear. It's, yes. it's, it's frustrating in my seat to, to try to um, make heads or tails of, of who is really providing it. Because you'll go on here, and it doesn't – he never has explained – where the $43 million came from. The Republicans have always said that it's there. Now, all of a sudden, it's there. Mm-hmm. So either it wasn't there and it, we got it and he's right or the Republicans are right because it was there the whole time. I don't know. And I'm a state senator. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a concern. Yeah. yeah. That's sad. Yeah. Okay, go ahead with your News story. Awesome. The lifted spending restrictions include $7 million for the Missouri Technology Corporation, $5.89 million for local libraries, $5.32 million for an expansion of the University of Missouri School of Medicine to Springfield, 
3.5 million to enhance security of state data systems, 3 million for port authority capital investments, and 2.18 million in grants for federally qualified health centers. Nixon said he was able to lift the restrictions due to the ongoing strong growth in state revenue collections, particularly in March. However, about 400 million in restrictions remain in place. Through the first nine months of fiscal year, isn't it doesn't don't we need a better system? And I introduced a bill that we would have a consensus revenue um, agreed upon in statute by experts, as opposed to he he was able to lift the restrictions because of strong growth in state revenue in March. What happened in March? I don't St. know. St. Patrick's no. Day happened. I mean, <laughs> we just we just lucked out. Don't we have to have a little more? There was job growth during that time, if I remember right. But what? So we so we lucked out. We mm-hmm, we got right. lucky. Is that how we're budgeting? Well, I mean, when you're basing it all off of uh, mysterious numbers to begin with, then sure, all yeah. rules are in, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah let's May as well. Budget you know. Well, and, and this and is a dictate. this is a bill I had a hearing on. I um um I'll keep pushing the issue, but we have to we have to get back to some sound um, budgeting, and mm-hmm. we have to at least first of all agree upon the number. Right. Yeah. You have to and understand there's growth and also understand what makes our state grow mm-hmm. as opposed to slashing uh, top rates of, of taxpayers and thinking this trickle-down myth will happen. We know that building roads and building education actually build our state, mm-hmm. but we got to have the revenue to do that. Anyway, mm-hmm. go ahead. Through the first nine months of fiscal year 2015, net year-to-date state general revenue collections increased 6.8% compared to the same period in fiscal year 2014, going from $5.57 billion last year to $5.95 billion this year. Net collections for March 2015 increased 25.22% compared to those for March 2014, going from $532.6 million last year to $667 million this year. Yay! <laughs> That's very good. And finally, House approves weakening anti-discrimination laws. The House of Representatives on April 9th voted 95 to 60 in favor of legislation that would make it more difficult for workers to sue their employers for unlawful discrimination. The bill, House Bill 1019, also would weaken legal protections for whistleblowers who expose illegal activity by their employer. House Bill 1019 would raise the legal bar for proving a discrimination claim limit who is subject to being sued for discrimination, and restrict the amount of damage a plaintiff can collect if they do manage to win their case in spite of the new hurdles. The bill now advances to the Senate. Governor Jay Nixon has vetoed similar legislation in recent years. Yeah, th- this is a ridiculous bill that only hurts workers, doesn't build our economy, and um, just makes it easier for um, employers to uh, really discriminate. And I'm very, very happy that the governor has vetoed such legislation and hopefully in the senate we can either um stop its progress fix it um if not we're going to need the governor to do the right thing again and veto it so well folks that's your weekly news roundup brought to you by the good folks at liberty realty thank you very good Mm -hmm. very good chris thanks now um you mentioned that you were at the capitol i was this week and you were down for a very important event yeah, let's hear about it. How much is that dog in the window? Oh, I love this song. <laughs> the one with the Do you? So the, you're there for dog days. I was there for dog days. What yeah. a great event. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. 
And folks, with Dog Day, the second end of Dog Days at the Capitol is an opportunity to remember that dogs are different. And we had a very important political issue a few years ago that uh, the people of Missouri asked us to further regulate puppy mills. Since that time, there's been regulations to try to weaken that. There's even been um, an attempt on the right to farm amendment to try to weaken uh, protection for our dogs. Um, So a few years ago, I was on the Senate floor and I started explaining over and over again that dogs are different. Dogs are our best friend. Um, Man's best friend, that terminology is even from Missouri, from the uh, old drum uh, case out of Warrensburg, Missouri. And uh, we have to, our, our people care about taking care of our dogs. So I started Dog Days. And so what that is, is that you take your dog to um, the Capitol and you have yourself a hot dog. Oh, the hot dogs were good, yeah. too. And uh, just kind of a, a, an awareness of, of that issue. Cause, uh, then you the, eat dogs? You we, have Dog Days, but then you eat dogs? Well, you eat hot dogs. Hot dogs. dogs. Get it? All beef yes, hot dogs, I get too. It. Get it? Okay. And this is... That's me and my dog, Gilly. Oh, that's great. See her? There she's... Oh, you were there. there. I was there. I saw yeah. a Gilly on your lap. I had Gilly on my lap. Did yeah. you? I did. I had a lap full of Gilly. I can only imagine what the capital is like with all those dogs everywhere. Oh, so we had fun. So we had uh, Gilly, the Wonder Pug of Missouri, was there, and then uh, Max, the <laughs> the hottest tail Kansas City dog, was there. Oh, and yeah, then Max. And Sadie. And, and, and with Sadie and the rest. Yes. And, so we had thanks for coming down for that, oh, and it was uh, my pleasure. It was an interesting day because it was the day after we were until four a.m. and so people were delayed, but we had lunch in the office mm-hmm. and, and dogs and the importance of of protecting them in a different way than we do other animals. See, the big the biggest issue we have in Missouri is that when you start protecting uh, puppy mills, the puppy mill industry starts getting behind the agriculture industry. And then they say things like, oh, no, humane societies can come in and tell us what we can do with our animals. So then the cattle producers and the pork producers begin to think that these uh, very um, um, radical groups, I don't even know if you want to call them that, radical groups would begin to tell us how we're going to handle every animal. Mm -hmm. But I just don't think that's the case. That's not a Missouri sensibility. Missourians are okay with our cattle. We want to eat our delicious oh, pork. Oh, they're delicious. But yeah. we're not. But we're. But we're gonna. We want you to treat dogs you in mean, a different way because dogs are different. They're our best mm-hmm. friend, mm-hmm. and uh, that's why I was really glad. Uh, one of those small accomplishments that I had in the Senate is to change some of the language in that right to farm bill to make sure that they didn't go after our puppies. So anyway, well, thanks for coming down. down there You're like the dog hero. Yeah, and plus I like Protector my dog. Protector of you know? dogs, yeah. yeah. Do you have a you you want to make an announcement? I know you shared it with me something privately. Well, I am not a dog owner. Okay. Oh. However, mm-hmm. I am committed to becoming a dog owner once again. Yeah. Oh wow! Thank you. Looking Thank for a new you. dog. I, I've I've had dogs in the past, and I thought after my last dog, JJ, God rest his soul, seventeen years old. Mm-hmm. Wow. He was a husky lab mix, beautiful dog. I thought I'm I'm ready to have a break, and and I'm done with my break. I, yeah, you're ready for it, oh, then, huh? Dog, they they truly are. Uh, I'll say humans. Mm-hmm. Humans' best friend. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's I, very progressive yeah. of you. So I am now. <laughs> 
I am now open to a a rescue and adoption, something like so that. So I feel like I feel like if we can change one person's life, that's your life. You know what? And you know what? I'm a person. That dog's gonna rescue you. Whoa. Oh, that is so inspirational. Yes. Yeah. Well, I wish I could have brought Rolo, but he's been having trouble, and he's a uh, Rolo the uh, magical chocolate dog. Yes, Rolo the wonder dog. He's yeah. uh, thirteen years old, mm. so he's in his last days. I think he's he's not able to sleep. I was actually up all night with him oh, and no. had to spend the night in the living room because he's. He's just he'll pace around the floors if he's if you're not right there with him. So oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that he's having trouble. His, brings us down. But um, yeah. I'm glad you guys had a great celebration yeah. at the Capitol with all of your dogs, and uh, and I will of course I treasure my dog. So well, good. I couldn't bring him though. She's yeah, just too well, frail. I, I can't wait to get one and actually bring my dog down for. Yeah, dog days, dog days at the Capitol, yeah. and so have you, hot dogs. So you were down yes. there, you were enjoying yourself a hot dog. Uh huh, I did. And you were you were working the halls, as they say. Two hot dogs, as yeah. a matter of fact. Oh wow, yeah. that's why he was working the halls. He's yeah. working it off. Yeah, yeah. And, were, and so, what else have been going yeah, on since? Oh, I, I think there was uh, there was other news that that happened this week Gary? that we can we probably should need to make sure. Oh, is that, okay. That, that we're this is us delaying that for we, something. It's coming. It's what you call stretching the showbiz. Yeah. <laughs> Stretch stuff out. What? You want to report on this? Oh, is this? I got my theme music back? No. No. Oh. The Kansas City rolls around the gold. How about this? Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, this right before this podcast today on what Thursday, April 9th. Yeah. The Kansas City Royals finished their first series of the season against the Chicago White Sox. They swept them three games to none, including opening day, which I was fortunate enough to attend for a while before mm-hmm. I had to go to city council meeting. Yeah, it was Wait, it was wow. the it was the first time <laughs> first time in many years that they uh, the Royals won on opening day in the 11th senatorial district. Yeah, that's so, great news. So you took them to the World Series last year, right? And now you, yeah, I guess helped them win. Not only opening day, but the first series of the season. Yeah, I feel year. responsible for that. So, and you were there at the game, so I was. It was a good I time. Just bring that yep. up. Good time. Crazy weather, but good time. Yeah, but then somehow you left the game Had to, to go do your job yep, yep. in independent. I have a responsibility to the citizens, and I wanted to fulfill that. I appreciate that. Wow, so that's good. Mm-hmm. What else? What great. else am I missing? Oh, there's just a few things uh, happening in the city. One thing, uh, it happened last Saturday, which would have been April 4th for those of you listening, but we had the hazardous waste drop-off that we do a couple of times a year, and it was a huge success. And that's when people bring out you know, paint okay. and old car batteries. Uh, they can bring out guns, ammunition, fire, what, whatever could potentially be hazardous. And um, it, the biggest one we've had. Ever in the city of Independence, so over there on Thirty Fifth, yes, Street? okay, yeah. So that's that was great. This coming Saturday, which is will be April eleventh from eight to three, we have the the normal drop off depot that we do about once a month, and that's at eight seventy five Vista Drive, and that's one mile east of two ninety one off of Truman Road. And you can come by and bring by your non hazardous stuff that you need to get rid of. You know, be it yard waste or or old appliances, whatever. You know, and there's a, a small fee charged for that. In fact, I'll go ahead and share that. Um, let's see. Okay. Residents may bring trash, brush, major appliances, lawnmowers, tires. Oh. Uh, if you have a car, 
It's 11 bucks. Vehicles larger than a car, so people with your SUVs, 16 bucks. Trailers, eight feet or longer, 26 bucks. So that'll be the drop-off depot on Saturday, April 11th from 8 to 3. Neat. So you can get rid of some of that stuff that's uh, clogging up your yard or your garage or whatever. Uh, had the opportunity to... That may, that may come in handy if you, like... If, if you, like, move out of your house and you're going to move all your stuff into someone else's house. <laughs> yes, some, some of us here at this very show may have been through yeah, that recently. Right. Um, got to go speak to the Kiwanis Club a couple of days ago at their their weekly meeting. And I like koalas. It was actually Kiwanis. Oh. I thought it was koalas, oh. so I was all excited. But, no, it's just people. It wasn't cute little bears. But, That's a shame. But uh, I didn't know a lot about the Kiwanis Club before I went there, so I did some research. They do a lot of great stuff. Mm-hmm. Four kids, everything that they do, their service uh, is all oriented around youth. And what a great organization. What were, they interested, they what were they interested in knowing about? Well, I shared with them some of the things the city has coming up for kids now yeah. that the weather's getting nicer. We've got uh, nature hikes at night out at George Owens Park. We've got story time, which is for the younger kids at George Owens Park. We've got EcoFest coming up. And I'll talk about more of these events as they come closer at Waterfall Park. So I, I talked to them about some of the things that we have oh, going on for kids. So it, it was a awesome. good time. Good group of people that are just interested in giving back. Go Kiwanis. Yes. And also wanted to mention that um, I have given up my positions on both the audit and finance and the Japanese Sister City oh, boy. committee because we had some members of the council who had no committees that they were assigned oh, boy, to. Here we go. So, so I'm abdicating your responsibility. I know. I was the council member with the most committees, so I gave up two spots. However, I am still chairman of the employee advisory committee, and are. I am still the council member in charge of the judicial appointment. Congratulations. Committee. So, you're doing so much, they're having to pull you back. They're having to pull yeah. me back wow. off of committees. So, but that's good because I can put more focus on the committees that I'm on. And then, um, one little pet project that uh, I've had the city manager helping me with. I I spoke about it before. We've mapped out the entire city of Independence and looked at all of the the empty or available industrial commercial retail space. We've now added pictures of each of those properties and specifications, um, measurements, things like that. And we have those available because we have grassroots organizations in different areas of Independence that are interested in Furthering economic development. Um, you've seen it happen on the Independence Square. I have. Y- you've seen it happen in Inglewood. I have. We have a new group in Fairmount that's interested in bolstering that area. So this is something we can provide to them and say, hey, here's some of your research already done for yeah. you. Here's the property you have available. Here's the condition that it's in. Here's how much space is available. And so the city can't provide all of the economic development, but we can be partners with those sure. groups mm-hmm. of citizens that want to do that. So it's great. I'm excited that that is continuing to uh, to go along. So there awesome. you go. That's all I got for you. That's cool. That's a good report. Thank the you. Phone is blown up there. It, really, yeah, like, he's super popular. Well, well, Courtney. Yes, Senator. You know, I'm excited to hear about what's going on with you. Well, I'm excited to we, tell you. We didn't we didn't get to hear last week. Yes, um, that's right. But I wasn't here. Now, sorry. But here I am. Okay, well, I don't know if you um, both were aware or not, but there was an election this past week. Yes. What? Yes. Yeah, uh, just the in, in um, my area, there's a lot of uh, uh, 
school board races, uh-huh. Fort Osage, mm-hmm. and uh, also in the independent school district, uh, a uh, was it? I don't know if it's technically was it a levy. It was increase? a levy. Yep, yeah. a levy increase that that did pass. Yeah, which would help us. So resounding. Yeah, it was good. Now in Great. your in your neck of the wood, anything happen exciting? Uh, we only had a city council race on the ballot, and there were two spots. Um, we had the two current um, elected officials who held those spots who were re- re- uh, running for re-election, and then they had a challenger as well. So there was three on the ballot, and um, I'm proud to announce that my mother, uh, Sonia Morgan, was re-elected to the city council with the most votes. Yay! 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 That's excellent. Yay, so... That's um, wonderful. Yes, Yay. yeah. And the Yay. other councilman uh, held his seat as well, and I'm really happy with the leadership that we have there in Excelsior Springs and their ability to work together as a city, and we see that all the time with progress that's happening. We've got... Two historic bridges. It's interesting, even with the cuts that have happened at the state level with transportation, um, we have our project in getting our two historic bridges um, redone are is still there. And I think that that's because our city partnered with MoDOT and they've been working together um, closely throughout that. And so they've just started demolition of those bridges um, and they've changed the 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 routes through town, which is been quite a, a deal around a little town i tell you it's been quite the talk of the town um but that project is going to take place all the way through november and so um hopefully then we'll have two new safe bridges that go through excelsior springs on the east side and i'm looking forward to seeing that that's so, great yeah yeah um other things that were happening this week that I noticed, Senator, that yeah, what's I thought the maybe um, you might want to weigh in on. Okay. There was something exciting that happened this week and that our good friend, Representative Stephen Weber, announced his yeah. Senate race. You know, do you want to talk about that? I do because I, I have it here. Oh, good. I, I beat you to the punch. Sorry. And uh, this, is, this is what I call hope. I agree. This is hope. Yeah. Um, and it is... Uh, it is, I don't know what the headline is, but it's it's basically uh, Representative Stephen Weber is running for state senate out of Columbia, Boone County, the 17th district. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't want to read his thing. He just, <laughs> he just, you know, it sounds, I mean, in the newspaper it says Stephen Weber is a valuable member of a central Missouri delegation, a strong supporter of the university, University of Missouri, and K-12 through education, and a person with the kind of uh, intellect and personality we should want in the legislature. That's the uh, Columbia Daily Tribune of last October 27th. And boy, oh boy, isn't that true? I got to serve with, with Representative Weber in the House. He is a, uh, a young man of high integrity, high intelligence, mm-hmm. and uh, I am so excited that he's running for state Senate and just the possibility of his strength and leadership in the Senate. I mean, personally, just having him there mm-hmm. will be enjoyable because right. he's a he's a fun guy to be around too but just um to work with someone of that um similar um fight yeah for the good things Absolutely. for the people of missouri right um, i'm really excited about that and he um everyone should go check out voteweber.com give him a contribution yes we probably shouldn't use this this podcast <laughs> um for my campaign but I'll use it for Stephen Weber. for someone else's. Yeah. <laughs> um, and well, it, it is, uh, it is, I'm excited that he is, he is doing this. So great. he's an attorney. He's a, uh, now I made a mistake one time when I said this, but he is a Marine. 
don't refer to don't refer to anyone as a former Marine because oh. they will remind you oh. that they are a Marine Once forever. Once you're a Marine, you're a Marine. Semper five. Yep. And he um, was deployed and fought admirably in Iraq, mm-hmm. and um, just a, a good. Uh, oh, here his little tagline is from here for here. So yeah. really, kind of. Um, that's what we need in our elected representative, someone from the community who's going to do what's good for that community. And mm-hmm. I'll have to explain to him that, you know, we, let's do what's good for the 11th Senatorial District first and then we'll worry <laughs> about his area. But that's a conversation he and yeah, I can yeah, have. Yeah, you guys can have that. So I'm very excited by that's that. That's a sidebar. And we ran into him today. We did. Yeah. yeah. That was. He looks great. Yeah. Well, looks yeah. We had he seems to, excited about yeah. uh, his next adventure here. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll do some great things. In mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, me. yeah, I want to, of course. Thanks for speaking to it. Um, it's interesting, too, this past week, I know that um, earlier Chris had read in the Weekly News Roundup about the uh, workplace discrimination bill. Um, he sure did. House Bill 1019. And uh, I see here on the Twitter. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, with the hashtag Mo uh, Leg. Ledge. Uh-huh. What, do you, what do you guys call it? Ledge. Ledge. Mo Ledge. Mo Ledge? Yeah. Okay. Or Mo Leg. I'm going to call it Mo Leg. Okay. Mo Leg. Mo Leg. Hashtag Mo Leg. Okay. So Representative Stacey Newman there says, great debate and inquiry on the floor with Representative Deb Lavender in opposition to workplace discrimination. So I know that that went through this past week, too, um, in Springfield. They lost um, a a vital (laughs) piece that was helping to protect um, those who are LGBT in their community from um, being discriminated against. And unfortunately, that community, you know, has decided to repeal that um, law that was put in place. And now you can openly fire someone for being gay. And I didn't know if you had any thoughts on that or wanted to speak to it. It's very disappointing. We've seen the the national outrage about the Indiana bill and... uh, Missouri doesn't need to move in that direction. Mm-hmm. Even though there's bills that do the same thing uh, in Missouri, uh, it just, uh, we, we have to move forward. Yeah. And uh, again, you know, I, I don't know what the turnout was in Springfield, but I don't believe that most people in Springfield, Missouri, thinking should, should be able to fire someone just because they're gay. Just because they're gay. It doesn't have anything to do with their, right. you know. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think that performance is as a the sensibility worker. of people in Missouri. Yeah, yeah. I it mean, seems strange they'd open that door to allow that. Right. I, I think employers want the freedom to, um, you know, work with their employees. And if someone's not doing the job, they want to be able to get rid of them, but not just simply mm-hmm. because they're gay. And that's what that resolu- or that ordinance did in, in Springfield. And there was people who thought, well, the city shouldn't have that authority to do that. So they got rid of that. So that's kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah. Very. And I know so. they've talked to you about some more... Ordinance and Independence, right? Yes. Actually yeah, and, and, and in fact, um, yeah, talks are going on right now between our city attorney and attorneys representing a, a group of citizens that are concerned about this very thing to see what yeah. what kind of an ordinance we could draft that would make it make Independence a safe place for yeah. mm-hmm. all citizens. Right. Yeah. Good for you. So, more to come on that, but. But yeah. uh, things are in the works yeah. right yeah, now. Yeah, great, great. Well, that's really all I had. I know that uh, Missouri Medicaid Coalition is continuing to push uh, Medicaid expansion and uh, has people continually down there um, 
sharing their stories, right. you know, about uh, what the gap's doing to them. And so I think that that's great that they're continuing to press that, even though that was brought up, you know. I was excited that I, because I saw on uh, through Facebook postings that you actually listened to the podcast last week when I talked I listened about to the that. whole thing. So thank you yes. very much. Yeah. You're the one. I was so, the one. Yeah, yes. and I just out, outlined some of the debate on the floor about yeah. experience and where we are on things. And there's just this misconception by the majority that, well, they know. I, I, it's not a misconception. They just keep making up excuses. Mm-hmm. First, it's uh, the federal government's not going to come through. Then mm-hmm. it's... Um, the federal debt. Mm-hmm. Right. Then we can't afford it. It's, we can afford it. It was interesting listening to that debate because I felt that you did a great job of, one, staying calm, whereas opposed to, you know, I, I really felt like Senator Schaefer was kind of um, throwing out talking points time after time. He was continually interrupting you, mm-hmm. you know, and it almost seemed as if he wasn't sure of the reason. You know, it was like well, he kept jumping around. To all I these guess that's my things. point. The, the reason is they don't want to have anything to do with uh, the president. That's it. Right. It's and all that's about it. federal so they have, issues. So as I would bring that up, he'd, he'd have to come around another issue. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, and when you have, at, you know, you asked him even, and, yeah. and he's not able to come back with a, an exact response. And so um, I, I thank you for standing for the citizens who are asking for the expansion and um, and answering those questions and being a voice. And and thank you. That was a great show to well, listen to. Well, I, I wish I, I could was, have been there to hear it live. I was, um, I was happy we had the debate because I know mm-hmm. the people of Missouri deserve that. And they actually deserve a lot more, but. At least we've had that conversation. And, in fact, um, Senator Sylvie's bill to um, expand Medicaid had a hearing today. So um, okay, so there's, they, there's more conversation, yeah, that's great. which there should be, but the facts will come out, and now what are you going to do? Is his bill now in a position where there are, it's for veterans? Is yes. that where it's at? Mm-hmm. So the, that would be who would be covered? Right. Well, at least someone would, right. else would be covered then. You that's know? right. That's right. right. It's movement. Well, Senator, what's going on with you? Um, just just a couple updates, I guess, of of the last couple weeks. Um, uh, in I was able to pass out of the Ways and Means Committee uh, Earn Income Tax Credit, which is my bill that uh, helps working Missourians. Uh, you can in, earn income tax credit in, from the federal government, but not from the state of Missouri. We're one hmm. of very few states that do that. And so I passed legislation out of committee. We'll see if it goes to um, – if we can get it over the – to uh, have the governor sign to um, cut taxes for working people. And um, Nice. That, that mm-hmm. it is, it's a fiscal note of $50 million compared to what we did a few years ago where it's $700 million for people over $500,000. Um, you know, the my, my friends in the majority – um, like to characterize me as, oh, I'm for big tax hikes and everything. But in truth, as you guys know, tax policy is important. Mm-hmm. You, This is the type of tax cut that you want to build the economy. You know, it goes to families. It goes to pay for the things, that, and it goes around the economy and makes it better. So I was happy to at least have progress on that issue. Um, was... The, we talked about the Royals. That was great. Had, had a hearing about uh, Senate Bill 439, which would move Division 12 of the Circuit Court from Kansas City Independence. That'd be great. Um, I think we're going to 
make some progress on that this session. Um, what's the, okay. <laughs> uh, met with professional registration. Um, had uh, Gilly down there all, all week. That was something <laughs> else. And uh, Alexander Proctor Elementary School and William Southern Elementary School visited the um, state capitol. So it was nice to saw William talk Southern to them. down there today. Yeah, they uh, they're the Bulldogs. I, I was a Bulldog myself. Yep. And uh, it was nice talking to them. And 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 I was just there. And um, there's friends you know because they still have kids that still go there mm-hmm. in the neighbor and so it was nice to see them um looking forward to speaking with the missouri retired teacher association tomorrow um, as they do their um area uh, meeting uh, i'll be attending the high aspirations breakfast banquet which is a program to help inner city youth and in, in, in a mentoring type thing mm-hmm. and then next week um back to uh jefferson city um, I'm excited about Equality Day Rally on uh, Tuesday. I feel I'm going to try to – I had a hearing on, on my pay equality bill, which which would basically ask the Department of Labor to set guidelines to say that we need to pay people equally regardless of their gender. That seems fair. And um, I'll be able to speak to the rally about that issue. That's great. I'm helping organize that. Oh, Did cool. you know? Oh, I didn't know that. I yeah. know you have in the past. I didn't know if you were – Yes, we're doing the march prior at 1030, so people Ooh. are invited if they would like, and then we'll march up to the rotunda where there'll be a rally, and then we'll get to hear the great speaker, or senator speak, um, as well as other legislators, so it'll be great. And uh, that should be a lot of fun. And then next week, and you know, we'll have another program, but there's a lots of forums, a living wage forum in the district, Lee Summit School District, Raytown School District. Um, People wanting to meet with their elected representatives in the 21st Senatorial District has a meeting that I'll be speaking at. Oh, really? Oh, oh great. I'm looking your way on that one. So. Yeah, okay. So um, so that's really the, the latest and the greatest. And I don't know if I'm missing anything. I think you've hit it all. got five more weeks of session, and uh, we'll just keep using this as an opportunity to keep you updated. Is there anything else you want to add, Courtney? I think this has been a great show. Chris? I think this has been one of our best ever. program has been produced by Courtney Cole, Chris Whiting, and Paul Lavoda. All rights reserved. Thanks again for listening to Dialogue with State Senator Paul Lavoda. Contact Paul on Twitter at Paul Lavoda or by email at votelavoda at hotmail.com with your comments or for syndication. Join us next week for more Dialogue. 